Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. You'll be happy to know that we're still Steelers fans. It's, it's very important. All our kids are Steelers fans. Even Lila, who wasn't born here, but the rest were, uh, is, is a Steelers fan. My wife is uh, not a football fan, but she's a Steelers fan. So that's, that's okay. And I got to tell you, for the past 10 years, we've been persecuted. It's been really a tough go under this kind of persecution of all these Eagles fans. Yeah, I know. It's how we feel. And you know, remember I told you about Philadelphians. They're hard people, right? So they, they, they get a little defensive, and I call it insecure, but I won't be mean. But, you know, and, and I just remind them that I'm pretty good at math. And last time I checked, six is bigger than one. So, you know, they've got a, a little ways to go, but I'll give them that, you know, and I was rooting for them. I'll be honest, I was rooting for them because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And anyone who can beat the England, New England Patriots, I'm okay with. We're going to do that every time. So coming out, we've been here all week. I spoke at a church in North Versailles last Sunday, and, and so on Wednesday... We went to Heinz Field for a Heinz Field tour, and I, I highly recommend it. It was fantastic. Now, the, the thing I noticed as soon as we got into the stadium was how, I saw pictures everywhere of all the greats. Even one of my favorite players of all time, Dan Marino, big, big banner, and you see Terry Bradshaw there and Mel Blunt and all these great big pictures everywhere. And you couldn't help but see the, the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Honor. And I got to thinking, and I said, you know, I see all these legends. These people have played long time ago, and then the current ones, Big Ben, and you know, I don't know what's going on with Le'Veon Bell. You, gotta get, you guys got to get him going here because this is not good. But I wondered, what do I do that really matters? And, and what's, what's my gift? And what do I have to offer? You know, like, what was I meant to do? And that's what came to mind as I'm seeing these great players. They knew exactly what their gifting was and what God called them to do, even if they didn't recognize God. There was a gifting there. Maybe you've asked the same questions. Maybe you've asked things like, why did God make me this way? Why these circumstances? Why here in this situation? Why this family that I'm in? Why this time? Why here? Why now? You got to be careful with why questions. You might start asking the wrong ones, like, why did I marry this guy? I, I could have done a lot better. You know, you got, you got to know when to stop with the why questions. Maybe you have those kinds of questions too. And I believe that the Bible shows us the answer to these kinds of questions. And we can look in the book of Ephesians, and I'd like you to turn to there. I know we don't have the video screen, so you're gonna have to do it the old-fashioned way. You're gonna have to pull out your phone. And uh, so Ephesians chapter four, verses one through 12. I'll read it, read it along as I read out loud. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. 
always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now another thing that I noticed when I was walking around, and, and we had a great guide. He was a fantastic guy, and he took us all over. But near the end there, we got to go down into the locker rooms. And that was a special experience. I looked at my kids, and they were all, oh, my God, we're going into the locker rooms because this is where the players are. And you know what I noticed first off was that there was a great sense of pride. Everything was set up. And they even partitioned off the area of the carpet where we couldn't get to the middle because guess what was there? The steeler emblem sewn into the carpet. And no one's allowed to walk on top of that steeler emblem. And then over here was the steelers spelled out. And that's where I was glad to hear the players come together before the game and they pray. They pray that no one on their team or the other team gets injured. And they do this every game. But there was a sense of pride, of, of history, of legacy, of tradition, of heritage. You can't miss it. There was a community there that existed way before us. We knew that. It existed way before us, but as fans, we could be a part of it. This is what I think is the draw of fans, is they feel like they're a part of that community. And the players joined the ranks of the great players before them. What a great sense of pride. And if you look at verse one here, Paul is calling us to something great. He's calling us to something even greater and the greatest of all, a prisoner for serving the Lord. He takes that as a badge of honor. You would think that he was sitting on some throne in some palace, but no, he's a prisoner and he says, that's my badge of honor. I take pride in being a part. And then he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by who? By God. You see, it's a privilege to wear the uniform. It's a privilege to put on that helmet. To put on those pads, that jersey, those pants, those socks, those cleats. It's a privilege 
to be a part. When we lose sight of the magnitude of the call, we become small thinkers. See, we have to know who called us. The transcendent God, the creator of the universe, spoke to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, and he's given us a call. And when we understand who we belong to, what team we're on, then we're going to respond to his call. We're not going to be small thinkers. We're going to be big thinkers. And what is a small thinker? A small thinker is someone who lives for himself. Someone who lives for himself is a small thinker. You see, there is a community that has always existed. It's the Trinity. Philadelphians are independent, but God is not. He was always in community. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. For eternity past, that community has existed. That's why we can say God is love, because he was always in a community of giving and loving. This community has always been in existence. And when you choose to follow Christ, guess what? You're part of that community. You become part of that. When we live our lives for ourselves, we become proud. Not that kind of pride of I take honor in my calling and my God, but that kind of pride that says, I want the ball. I need the money. I need the recognition. I need the position. I need to be recognized. That's small thinking. This is why Paul says, be humble. Imagine he says, take pride, the life worthy of your calling. And then right after that, what does he say? Be humble. Because Paul wants us to think big. Think big, catch this, but work small. You say, wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to do great things. God does great things. We think big. We dream, but act and work small. What do I mean by that? Take care of the details. What are you doing when no one's looking? All those simple little things and encouragement for someone, going to the hospital and visiting someone, doing the little things, spending some time with a neighbor, with a friend who's had a great loss in their lives. Act small, but think big because of your calling. Look at the, poet, the poetry here. Ephesians is written. There were a lot of quotes of the songs that the early church would sing in Ephesians. Ephesians is written kind of like, like a, a piece of art. In verse 10, it says, And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. He descended. A team that wins is a team that is won. Everybody knows this because this is big thinking. This is how you win Super Bowls. Everyone knows on the team what the vision is. Everyone knows what the mission is. Everyone knows their role, and they recognize that one role is not greater than the other. It's just different. So the linebacker doesn't want to be the quarterback because that's not his gifting. The quarterback doesn't want to be the running back because that's not his gifting. And they know, but if they work together as one, and we all know what that's like, especially with football, because there's 11 players 
on the field at the same time. That's a lot of people to trip over. And you see when they're moving, it's almost like this dance that they're doing. Everybody has to take care of what? The details. Just do your job. And if you do your job and the next guy does his job, we're going to be one. We're going to be a team. And we're going to be big thinkers because we belong to the same community, all moving in the same direction for the same goal. What we also understand is that every part of the community is essential. It's essential. Our guide, his name was Phil, 72-year-old Sicilian man. And boy, he was a diehard Steelers fan. He knew all the stories. He met Art Rooney himself. And he told us all about the history. But one thing, when we got up to the press box and some of those suites that you can, you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for to entertain guests, well, when we were sitting there, he said something very interesting to me. He said, well, here's what you have to understand. Football's great and we love it, but this is a for-profit organization. They are there to make money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong. You, you go to, to work at a place that is all about making money. Now, if it was just about making money, that would be awful. But it is a for-profit organization. That means there is little waste. There are no unnecessary positions in the Steelers organization because they need all the money that they can get to pay different people to do their job, the medical staff, technology, the players, the coaches, everything they need. Every role is absolutely essential. And if it's there, it's because it's needed. You know, I think about the medical staff. You see these guys on the sidelines, right? They run out as soon as a, a player gets injured. And sometimes players get cuts, you know, and they'll, they'll get a gash on their eye or on their lip and they'll be bleeding and the medical staff will come and they take a Q-tip or something and some gooey stuff and they, they clean it out, it's probably some disinfectant. And then they take a bandage and they stick it on there, right? And say, you're good to go, go play. Well, guess what? I have seen my wife clean out cuts and put bandages on my kids more times than I can count. I do think it would be weird if the medical staff did all that, gave them a kiss and a hug and said, I love you, now go out and play. That, that might be a little weird. But to my kids, their mom is more important and more valuable than any trainer on the sideline or any medical staff on the sideline of a Steelers game. Every role, every gift is essential and valued. What's interesting is that my job and Pastor Kurt's job, we're working ourselves out of a job. At least we're trying to. There will be no preachers in the new world. In the next kingdom, there's no reason to evangelize and tell the world and build the church up. There will be no preachers. So we'll, we'll, be, we'll be done. I don't know, we'll go golfing, do something, sit on the beach. But guess what? Your gifts will continue on. My gifts will continue on 
His gifts will continue on, but we'll be building things. We'll be gardeners and we'll be builders and workers and we'll be writing poetry and doing music and having all kinds of good time and playing, maybe playing football with no injuries and, and no agents or contracts or anything like that. Each of us is given a special gift. We're all in unity, but that doesn't mean we all look and act the same. We're all on the same team with the same mission, the same father, but we are not all the same. And our gifts are not all the same. You see, Jesus was the biggest thinker of all. I can prove it. His plan was to save humanity from meaningless existence, which, by the way, is death. Because we'll always exist, but it will be meaningless without God. And his plan, God's plan, was to save us from meaningless existence. He thought big, but he acted small. He came as a small, little, tiny baby. You want to know what really thinking, acting small is? He became human. He gave up his throne. And what did he become? A blue-collar worker, a carpenter. He didn't become Caesar, the emperor of Rome. He didn't come as a warrior. He'll return as that. But he came first as a carpenter. Jesus thought big, but he acted small, and he served us. He gave us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to use our gifts in order to serve others. God gave you your gifts. This is it right here. God gave you your gifts for you to serve others. Look at 1 Corinthians 12.7. It says it very simply. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It's that simple. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose of our gift is to serve each other. I want to tell you how this church served me and my wife, and our family. Ten years ago, we came. After a short stint in Nashville, we came to Houston, PA. And we did not know anyone. And our parents, Joanna's parents were 300 miles away. My parents live in Florida. And we came. I was 29 years old and moved into a hundred-year-old house, 715 North Main Street in Washington. We bought that house for $90,000, and my wife wanted everything changed. <laughs> she liked the, 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 the old house. It was a hundred-year-old house, but she wanted it all changed. And so, literally, the day we closed, I went into the kitchen and started pooling down the drop ceiling because I had nice 10-foot ceilings in the kitchen and pulled, start pulling up, apart the, 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 uh, the wood paneling off the walls. And I was going at it. And I remember I was getting really deep into it. And 
a friend from the church here said, you know, we get, maybe we get a couple guys together on a Saturday and let's just gut this whole thing. Not it was plaster and lath and everything. And I said, really, you think so? I'd never done this kind of stuff. Just a little bit. I helped my dad. And he said, yeah, you just get a couple guys. We'll do it. So I called a friend. Is Dan, Dan Billy. Is Dan Billy still here? here? Is he over here? Wherever Dan is. Dan Billy. I called him up. I said, Dan, I just need a couple guys. Can you come over with a, some garbage bags and a hammer and help me take out this kitchen? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, I could do that. So Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, I look out the window. I said to Joanne, I said, man, there's a lot of cars on our street. And then I saw all these people. Well, there's a group here, a ministry called Time Out for young adults with kids. And they got to spend some time together. Well, Dan called the Time Out ministry and got all these people coming in with big, gigantic garbage cans and shovels and claw hammers and, and all kinds of tools. And all of a sudden, my kitchen was a mess. Took everything to the studs, pulled carpet out, pulled plaster out, started pulling wires out. And all I saw, I mean, it got so much dust that you couldn't even see your hand. But they were working. And then they made a big mess in my backyard. Because it's just a big pile of plaster and lath and carpet and all this stuff. And I looked around and I said, wow. And you know what happened after that? One day, a truckload of drywall ended up at my back door. Somebody bought all the drywall for my kitchen. And it just showed up. And it was amazing. And then I had... A year later, Joanna was pregnant with Isabella. And here's the thing. When a woman gets pregnant, all of a sudden, everything has to be right for the coming baby. And the baby's room is not done. And she needs it done. Well, another group of people got together and they said, let's do something for the juntas. And so they came for a whole weekend and they wallpapered the baby's room, recarpeted, put tile in our bathroom. One person was in the attic with knob and tube wiring, redoing all my electrical. I had friends that helped me put hardwood floors down. People would ask me, what do you need? And I was so overwhelmed. One day, I don't even know how they found out. Our boiler went out in the basement for hot water. Um, heat and the choir decided to take up a collection for me bought us a brand new boiler that's only the beginning it's only the beginning of what the people in this church did for us a few years later started a young adults ministry my wife not a musician she never really got involved with the worship ministry so a group of ladies got together and they said, Joanna, you should be with your husband on Tuesday nights with that young adults ministry. And each of them took turns every Tuesday night and came over to our house and watched our young kids. They were like grandparents to our kids because our parents were gone. They weren't here. They were ministering elsewhere. This place has such a special place in our heart. We'll never forget 
the people of Central Assembly of God. And leaving, honestly, up to that point, was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Because I love these people. Serve others. Serve others. For no other reason than Jesus Christ descended. He came to earth. He died. He ascended and filled the entire universe. He took captives and he gave out gifts. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You want to know what you were meant for, what your gift is and how special and valuable it is? God will do more than you could have ever imagined. When you get this, serve others because Jesus Christ served you. And the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and he's speaking to you. That's how these people responded when they helped us. That's how so many respond to that voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to them, prompting them, empowering them, equipping them, moving them forward. This is the church acting as one for the same mission. Serve others and God will do more through you than you ever imagined. Before I hand it back to Pastor Kurt, let me pray for you. Lord God, you are creator. You are father. And you love us so, so much that you gave everything for us. Lord, may we be in love with you for all eternity. Draw near to you. May your Holy Spirit speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us. Give us what we need, Lord, to do your will. And we'll give you glory and honor forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.